right. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And this is going to be the end of our series in Romans. So I've been praying that the Lord would minister to us and encourage us in a special way. That things that you've been getting over the weeks and months that the Lord would help click and that you would be getting the medicine that you need to encourage you and to help you to live what we just sung, right? Never once has God ever failed his people. Never once. And he will, net, he will let nothing separate us from his love. And that's what Romans 8 is all about. And that's the reality that the Spirit can help us not only understand intellectually, but like have that work into our hearts so that we're living in ways that are bold and courageous and living for King Jesus in dark times, living for King Jesus in hard times, living for King Jesus even when sometimes circumstances in our life feel like, where is God? But he's never once left us. So let's come to the Lord and just ask for his help to do what only he can do in our hearts. Father, we thank you for Romans 8. We thank you that this letter has been really a journey from no condemnation in Christ to no separation from Christ, to a rock-solid eternal security for every child of God who's been born again, who's trusted in Jesus for salvation. And Lord, you, you are keeping your people in the midst of the storms, in the midst of difficulties, and when they're soaring on the mountaintops, and singing your praise and experiencing the joy and exuberance of just knowing you're in the hand of God. Lord, when we experience the ebb and flows of life, we know that you're with us and you've never once left our side. You say, be strong and courageous for you'll never leave us or forsake us. So we pray that you would anoint this time. We pray your spirit would come upon your word. We pray that you would help me to get out of the way, that you might speak to us from your holy word. And Lord, that where our hearts are hardened to these truths, soften them. Where our hearts, Lord God, are, are confused about these matters in your word, that we would get clarity. And where we are just failing to lay hold of them as our treasure, that we would put these, these words into the treasure box of our soul and allow them to cause us to flourish and soar with wings like eagles in the midst of hard and difficult seasons of life. And so we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I was thinking this week about just this question, and it's so basic but if the gospel is true, right? If the gospel is actually true, then we can face anything in life. If the gospel is true, 
And Jesus actually died on the cross for sinners. He's actually the heaven-sent Son of God who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross. Three days later, He rose out of the grave. The tomb is empty. He ascends to the Father, sends His Spirit upon the church, and the Gospel spreads over the face of the earth. And it's a Gospel about a crucified King. If that is all true, and you're in Christ, what can't you go through in life? If Jesus is Lord, and Jesus has saved you, what can you not face in life? And I just thought about that, and I was like, there's no better news in all the world and a blind little girl who can never see the color red, who can never see the daisies that she was picking in the field, Fanny Crosby, right, could speak of blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. She could say that, and she could see Jesus in a way that transformed her. Because this is true. Because this does change lives. And because in the heat of battle, in the spiritual battle that we live in, because there's a real devil, there's a real supernatural world that is unseen but affects this world. And that's why all the evils and, 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 and the, the horrible things that we lament Sometimes as Christians, which we ought to lament in the world, you look at it and you see brokenness, you see depravity, you see political unrest, you see wars, you see slavery, you see sex trafficking, you see stuff and you're just sickened. There's a real devil. And there's a real gospel, which is good news. And there's a real savior who comes into that, comes into our mess and promises that all who come to Him, He will by no means turn away and He will save to the uttermost any who draw near to Him. And He can touch darkness and transform it into light. He can touch the unclean and make them clean. He can touch the dead and raise them to life. And He can take the lost and make them found and secure in the arms of God. That's what we've been seeing in Romans 8. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. All the way to Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no. In all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So the promises are going from no condemnation in Christ for those who believe, Christians, to you can never be separated from that love. You can know that He's been there all along. And you need that rock-solid 
truth under your feet when times get hard and when life gets difficult. And when you're experiencing, right, what verse 35 says, tribulation comes on you and hits you like a brick. Distress comes on you. Persecution comes on you. Famine. Scarcity of food. Nakedness. Dangers. And even the sword. Martyrdom. I was reading just yesterday a statistic that 90,000 Christians are martyred every year today in the world today. Every single year, 90,000 Christians are martyred for their faith in Jesus. 250 Christians will die for the name of Jesus before the day is over. So when we step into these verses, we need to lay hold of some treasure and hope to live the Christian life with a boldness that would be willing to endure anything, even martyrdom, for the name of Jesus, bringing the light of God into a dark world. And the only thing that can make that happen in your heart, to live with that kind of bold tenacity and courage, is to know God is for you, and He'll never leave you, and He'll bring you all the way home, no matter what you go through. So we're going to look at three things today. Number one, God loves you. Christian, God loves you. If you're a Christian, nothing could separate you from the love of Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're more than a conqueror in Christ. And we're going to see that in the text. Romans 8. Verses 31, and then our text will start in 35, but just to give us the context, start in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding. Standing in the gap for us. Verse 35. Here's our text. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of those blessings, all of those promises, all of that hope is in 
Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why I said this is a this is a promise for Christians. And if you're not a Christian in here today, there's great hope. Because when you trust in Christ and you're saved from your sins, you enter into these promises. So as we look at this as a body of believers, as Smithfield Baptist Church, and we're getting hope, those of us who are on the outside who don't know Jesus, look in with us and see the glorious love of God manifest in the saving power of Jesus to rescue His people and bring them all the way home and to bring anyone, anyone, whosoever will, may come. Whosoever believes shall receive and be given the right to become a child of God. So let's look at these truths one at a time and behold them together. Number one, Christian, you're loved by God. That might be an obvious truth on some level, but when we read this passage, we can't help but see who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And verse 37 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. And then the verse 39 culminates the whole thing in saying no one's going to be able to separate, not anything in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God loves you. And this is a peculiar love for Christians. This is a, a love that's a redemptive love. It's a love that transforms. It's a love that keeps. It's a love that means God is for you and not against you. And if God before you, who can be against you? And if God has justified you, who can condemn you? And if Christ has died for you, not even death itself will have the final word in the Christian's life. That's the promises of this passage of Scripture. That's where Romans 8 is coming like a locomotive, giving you hope, reminding you that this powerful, omnipotent God loves you. And before the foundation of the world had purpose to set His affection on you and His saving love on you and bring you, as we saw weeks ago in verse 30, right? He whom He predestined, He also called. And He whom He called, He also justified. And, he whom, and those whom He justified, He also glorified. So God has been dealing with you long before you were even born. And that's a glorious thing to bask in the love of God for you. But how do I know that this love is special and unique and, and something that's going to carry me through? How do I know that this love is real when sometimes my circumstances speak otherwise? How do I know that this love is real as a Christian when I'm experiencing heartache? When I'm experiencing discouragement? When I'm experiencing marital strife? 
has the promise of God failed? When I have wayward children, has the promise of God failed? When I'm growing old and frail and life is hard and each day gets harder than the next, does He still love me? Am I cut off from this love? In Romans 8 and the rest of Romans resoundingly answers this question by no means. You are not cut off from the love of God. In fact, it's the love of God manifest in the trials of life that demonstrate His care for you, bringing you through it. How many of you know and taste and see the goodness of God's love when He brings you through some of the hardest circumstances of life? And some of the saints who've been in here and live with Jesus the longest can probably look back and testify, God brought me through it all. Even when I felt like giving up, He was with me. And I learned about His love. And I learned about His greatness. And I learned about His care in ways that I never would. So we're going to see that Romans speaks about the love of God for Christians. The first eight chapters. And the next eight chapters is all about the love that we ought to have for one another. Is all about the love manifest in the body of Christ as Christians love one another. They're demonstrating that they have experienced the love of God that's transformed them, that keeps them, and that helps them to love in supernatural ways. But Romans starts out, opening chapter, in the introduction, Romans 1.7, it starts out as a letter written to Roman, uh, the Roman Christians. And listen to what Paul says. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? To all those who are in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. This love of God has called all those who are gathering in the Roman church out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. It's a love that is a gracious love. It's a love that's a peace-giving love. It's a love that marks them distinctly because Paul's not writing to everybody in Rome. He's writing to the church. Paul's not saying to every single human being in Rome, loved by God and called to be saints. Right? There's a lot of Romans. In fact, the Emperor Nero will start persecuting the Roman church and the Christians and start using them as, as, as garden torches and set them on fire to light his garden. And he would persecute harshly the church and assault it. And Peter and Paul would be martyred under the persecution of the Roman Emperor Nero. So not everybody is being addressed here. It's a peculiar people. It's a people who've been called and loved in a unique way. And they're experiencing the familial love of God. That's a kind of care that never stops 
keeping you, that never stops being with you, that never stops working in your life to bring good out of even the hard things. Is that not why Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. That's only possible if God's love is manifest on you. He can work good, bad things for good in your life. And we've spent several weeks looking at that and getting help from that very reality. Charles Spurgeon, the famous English preacher, once said regarding the love of God for him, he said, while others are congratulating themselves, I have to lie humbly at the foot of Christ's cross and marvel that I am saved at all. He knew that it wasn't anything special in him. It wasn't anything clever about him. It wasn't because he figured out the secret of life. It wasn't because he was so intelligent. It wasn't because he tried to do more better or tried to be good, or tried to earn it. But it's because God loved him and pulled him out of the darkness into the marvelous light of God. He took a man like Charles Spurgeon and a man like the Apostle Paul and a man like Peter when they were not Christians and transformed them through the message of the cross. Christ crucified and risen. Let's look at the next text in Romans. There's only a few texts that mention the love of God in the first eight chapters. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you catch that? We're seeing here God's love has been poured out into our hearts through who? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did. He's poured out His love through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's as if the Spirit of God is the primary channel through which the love of God comes into our lives. And that's true even before you were saved. It's only when the Spirit of God opens your eyes to your need and you see yourself as a sinner needing Christ. You see yourself as guilty needing pardon. You see yourself as separated from God needing to be drawn into the family of God. You see yourself in darkness needing the light of Christ. Then... You believe and are saved. It's the Spirit who pours out God's love in your life. And there is no love experienced in the life of a person apart from the Holy Spirit doing that work in your heart. It's like the Spirit is, is Niagara Falls. And, and the Spirit is just pouring God's love into our life. In moments when we need it most, in moments of crisis, in moments of difficulty, in moments of agony, and in moments of fresh repentance and humility before God. 
I can remember experiencing God's love for the first time. I always thought, as an unbeliever in the Marine Corps and even before, I just thought, Christians are crazy talking about the love of God and talking about this dying and rising Jesus. And then somebody shared the gospel with me in a moment of crisis, in a low point where I tried drugs and alcohol and abused all sorts of things, trying to kind of get satisfaction and nothing in this world was doing it. And consequences were coming into my life because I was living in rebellion against God. And somebody shared the gospel with me. And I remember being on the phone with them and I hung up the phone and I knew it was true. I knew that Jesus was real. I knew that Jesus died on a cross for my sins and rose up out of the grave and was calling me to repent and turn from my sins and believe the gospel. And so I knelt down in my barracks this hardened Marine who's just been living a vile life, getting in bar fights and all sorts of stuff. And now I'm kneeling before my bed, praying to God and saying, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. And I realize that I've been running from you in my sin and that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Please forgive me. Please come into your life or come into my life. Please help me. And it was like the Spirit just dumped a hundred gallons of liquid love over my life. And the, the, the warmth and the breath and the, the deep, deep love of Christ was real to me in a way I had never felt. It was like He had been there all along, but I never knew it until I repented and believed and tasted and saw God's love is good. Have you had an experience of God's love in your life? Do you know what it means to have the Spirit in your life? If not, perhaps you need to encounter Jesus for real and experience the love the Spirit can provide when you get honest about your sin and you come to Christ in faith. As your only hope. Because he just throws a blanket on his people and envelops them. Maybe you're a believer in here today and you've just forgotten what it was like to be a baby Christian. Freshly aware of God's mercy and grace. And, and you've become a little bit cold in your walk with the Lord. You've not been warmed by the fires of God's gospel, hope, and love. Romans 8 has just been kind of like, it's been nice, and yes, they're truths, but it's not really hitting you because something went wrong somewhere in your heart, and you need to freshly awaken to Jesus and come to Him once again as Lord of all. Perhaps there's compromise that has put out the fire in your soul for Jesus. Perhaps you've just been crushed under the weight of all these fears. There's just so much stuff going on in the world. There's so much things going politically. There's so many things going on in Ukraine and in different parts of the world that just seem to strangle. And you got it at the click of a button. There's news feed after news feed after news feed. There's, there's scandals afoot. 
both in and out of the church. But we follow Jesus. We don't follow men. And when your heart is warmed to Christ and you experience God's love afresh, you get help and you grow in assurance. Your assurance of salvation and you're able to say with Fanny Crosby, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You're able to say, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. One more text on God's love. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. It's easy to read that text with a cold heart. And not get what it's saying. God demonstrated to you His love for you while you were still a sinner. Jesus went to a cross and hung and died and was whipped 39 times. Bore the wrath of God for your sins on Himself. Cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so you could be forgiven. He went to a cross and it was God's love that sent Jesus to the cross to deliver you from God's wrath, righteous wrath towards you if you're a Christian. That's staggering. Staggering, amazing love. How can it be that thou, my king, would die for me? This is a love that's been demonstrated. It's a love that came down and dwelt among us. It's a love that lived a perfect life in our place. It's a love that atones for our sins. It's a love that called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. It's a love that keeps you till the end and sanctifies you and makes you more like Christ. What does verse 29 of Romans 8 say, but for those whom he foredo, he, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is our elder brother and He's making us like Himself if we're in Christ. And that's a work that's ongoing. Right? I'm a work in progress. You don't have to be around me very long to know that I'm a work in progress. And all of us are too. Amen? But this love means God loves you so much He's not going to leave you in your messes. But He's going to grow you in Christ. And sometimes He sends the school of hard knocks to wake up believers from their slumbering. Arise, O sleeper. Awake and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is the promise of Romans 8 that God loves you with an everlasting inseparable, eternal, omnipotent love and He will not fail.
in bringing you home. That is just incredible news. It's like Romans 8, 35 to 39 is a tidal wave of God's love just crashing down on you and the waves come wash over you again and again and again. I used to boogie board back in my California days and I would go out there and every once in a while you get tangled up in a wave and you would just kind of be sitting on your hiney out there in the, the ocean and the waves would just hit you, boom, boom. And you would just be washed with, and this was pretty nasty salt water. <laughs> it tasted like, you know, drinking a salt bomb, but you were just being washed head to toe. And God's love is tender and warm and caring and transforming. And he's just washing over you as a Christian. And if you don't know Jesus, that's love that you can have in Christ if you trust him. If you're in here today and you don't know if you know Jesus, come afresh to him. Believe the promises of the Bible. This isn't my word. This isn't my opinion. This is the scriptures, right? This is what it says in the scriptures. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword. That brings us to the next point, right? If you're in Christ and God's love is on you, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And Paul is so zealous for us to get this. He's so zealous for us to get this that he spends several verses unfolding it in different ways, like a multifaceted diamond. So every time he's turning it, the glimmer is shining at you in different ways so you understand the beauty, the height, the depth, the width of God's love for you. Maybe you're in here today and you don't believe it. I don't believe God loves me. I can't be going through this if God loves me. Well, Paul anticipated your questions, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But that word separate, who shall separate us? That word means to remove or to divide or to divorce. So I want you to think about this. Divorce, marital divorce, is when two people in the covenant of marriage, are ripped apart and separated. And anybody who's tasted it knows it's an ugly thing. Anybody who's tasted it knows that it, it, it causes wreckage. It causes carnage. It causes damage, right? Who can rip two people apart? And Paul is saying, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody's going to experience divorce from Jesus. Even if you've experienced divorce from a spouse, you got to know God loves you so much, He will not let you be torn asunder. There's nothing that can snatch us from the hand of God and the love of God. Zilch, Zippo, Nada, absolutely nothing. That's why he goes through so many ways of telling us, look, there's there's threats, right? There's threats, supposed threats to the security of believers. You're going to face tribulation. 
You're going to face. Jesus said. He warned us to live the Christian life. You're going to face tribulation. You're going to face hard times. You're going to face persecution for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. That's what he said. But we need to, to feel the force that this isn't an idle question. This is because Christians at Rome and Christians in this room and Christians all over the world are experiencing incredibly hard things. And you know what it says about God when he brings them through it? There's no one like him. There's no way somebody can persevere through that. There's no way that somebody like Johnny Erickson Tata could be quadriplegic because of a diving accident at 17 years old, never walk again, have to write things with a pen in her mouth and praise God and start a ministry to the disabled community and even affect social reform in the United States so that there is proper care for disabled people to get wheelchair access and different things that happen that you see every time you walk into a, a schoolroom or even the things that we do on this premises that are up to code for wheelchair access and people to have parking spots. That's because Jesus was doing a marvelous work of love, bringing somebody through the anguish of being in a wheelchair the rest of their life. And yet kept her through it all. Yes, there was discouragement. Yes, there was depression. Yes, there was despair. But the love of God kept her. Kept her and kept changing her. To not see this wheelchair as the final end for her. One day she's going to throw that wheelchair away. Because she'll be risen and she'll have a new body. But she knew what it meant for the love of God to keep her through tribulation, which means suffering. It's translated in other passages, suffering or distress, which is the anguish that comes when we go through hard times. We feel it. We, we have emotional responses. We have physical responses. Some of you shake because of the things that you've experienced. The hard things. Some of you have stuff that's gone on that you don't ever think you can get help with. And if you turn to Christ and if you're in Christ, God's love will bring you through. That's a promise of this text. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That's even martyrdom. And then Paul quotes an Old Testament scripture, right? As it is written, verse 36, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Jesus said, take up my cross and follow me. He knew Christians were going to have hard times. But because the gospel's real, they can get through it. Because the gospel's true, because God's real, because God demonstrated his love in sending Jesus, and Jesus has transformed history. And it started with a group of fishermen 
and a motley crew of, of different zealots and tax collectors and all sorts of people that you would never expect and they flipped the world upside down. And anywhere where there's civil law and where there's a measure of peace in the world, it's because there's been Christian influences that have transformed society. Now, it doesn't always stay that way. Because it's going to get worse, the Bible says, before it gets better. But Paul, he was no stranger himself. He, he, he knows that you're going to go through trials. He knows that you're going to suffer. He knows that you're going to get diagnoses that are bad. He knows that you're going to get difficult things and, and, and pink slips from, from uh, your bosses. And, and he knows that you're going to have struggles within marriage and, and, and the, the woes of parenting. And, and, and as you grow in, into your teenage years, that you're going to struggle to want to fit in and want to be cool. And there's going to be impact going on where you're trying to, you want to fit in, but you know Jesus is calling you to something different. And there might be a conflict there that arises. He's preparing you. This passage is for you. This passage is for you, wherever you're at, wherever you're struggling in trial and there's real threats, this is a passage for you. And Paul knew it and he experienced every one of these on the list. There's seven of them. And listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Listen to what he says. This is his experience of trial. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from this, I've just got the daily pressure on me of and the anxiety for all the churches. That was the Apostle Paul's experience. And every one of those show up in Romans 8. And this is the Apostle Paul that said to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this is the Apostle Paul that reminds us that the work that God has begun in you, he will bring to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And you can bank on it because none of these things will move you. And this is the Apostle Paul that would one day be beheaded by the Emperor Nero and he would have his head separated from his neck. But he would not be separated from the love of Christ. Do you hear that, Smithfield? If you lose your life for Jesus, you enter glory. There are glorious things afoot for every child of God. And you may not face that end. 90,000 Christians a year face that end. 250 people by the end of the day face that end. But believe this. There's a peculiar strength that comes from embracing the love of God as a Christian and knowing He's for you and nothing can separate you from His love that causes you to face these struggles 
with boldness and with hope. And my prayer for us as a church that Smithfield Baptist Church would be baptized with boldness knowing that God is for you. And as you go into the world, you've got the greatest news to share with a world that is absolutely, utterly needy. I was just talking the other day with somebody and asking them if they needed prayer. I had never met them before. And with a little pause and a little taking back, I said, would you please, please pray for my dad? Because he's an addict. And tears welled up this needy world out there. It's not just addiction that's keeping us, you know, keeping people from Christ. It's not just addiction that's separated people from God. It's all sorts of sin. It's the love of self. It's the love of money. It's the love of pleasure. Improper pleasure. Because there's pleasures at God's right hand forevermore, but the devil always serves something that's a pseudo-pleasure promises you the world, promises you the moon, and takes everything. Maybe some of you are there. But this passage promises us some of the greatest, greatest news for broken, hurting people. This is a promise that the love that was set upon you when you or united to Jesus by faith, will never be taken from you. Jesus says something similar in John 10. Listen, this is the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. This isn't my words. This is Jesus' words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's good news, but it gets better. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So that means if you're a Christian, you're in the hands of Jesus, and you're in the hands of the Father, and nobody can take you from that. Not even anything in creation. You can't take yourself out of their hands. And that's encouraging. Last thing in brief. Christian, this is all culminating to this point. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. And that's key, in Christ. It's not you by yourself. It's not you, spiritual Rambo, doing it on your own. It's in Christ Jesus you're more than a conqueror. And now look at it in verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure, or certain, or rock solid in my understanding that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul goes beyond no separation to say you're more than a conqueror. And that word has the idea of victorious. It's like saying you're, you're an overcomer. You're completely victorious. You've won the victory in Christ. 
and it's used a few times in the New Testament by Jesus, actually. And Jesus says in John 6.33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Makes me think of that song, you're an overcomer, right? You're an overcomer in Christ because he overcame. Jesus overcame the world, the devil, the cross, death itself. And so Paul can say something similar in 1 Corinthians 15. Speaking of sin and death and the sting of sin and the reality of death that every one of us will face. One out of one person in this room will die. The question is, will you be an overcomer? And that's what Jesus says, or that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. When speaking of his victory over sin and death, he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So all of these things come through Jesus. So you want to face the trials of the world? You want to face the realities that are coming in the future that every one of us, whether it's when we're 30 or 80 or 10, every one of us will face death. Every one of us will have failing bodies that one day get sick and that's the last time you get sick and death swallows you up, but not in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? Thanks be to God that I have victory through Jesus Christ who ascended up out of the grave and says to any who believe, though you die, yet you shall live. So suffering, martyrdom, death may come, but we're an overcomer in Christ. And there's just one rock-solid conclusion that we could just stand on and put, put, put a bow on it and take it home as a gift to help us through life. You are absolutely 100% secure in Christ as a Christian. All of these things, right? God loves you. Nothing could separate you from His love. And you're more than a conqueror. Equals eternal security forever. Now, I know there's traditions and there are even churches that teach that to be confident that you're saved is not a good thing. And I just want to say, let the text speak. Right? Let the text speak for itself. Verse 38. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That means if you get hit by a car, you're entering glory. That means if you die of cancer or tuberculosis, or something else. You're safe in the arms of God. Death or life can't separate you from the love of God. 
principalities and powers and rulers, Paul says, which speaks of spiritual forces of wickedness and, 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 and rulers and, and demonic forces, they can't separate you from the love of Christ. Things present or things to come? Well, what about my past? What about my future? If you're in Jesus, none of those things can separate you from the love of Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter what you will do. If you're in Christ, it's been paid in full under the blood and He's carrying you home in His arms and no one can take you and snatch you from His hands. It's the absolute apex of the mountaintop of glory that we have been ascending to know that you are secure in the arms of God and not even anything else in creation, he says at the end of verse 39. Not anything else in creation can separate you from the love of Christ. That includes you. That includes foolish decisions that you've made. Jesus died for your sins. And if you trust Him, you're not going to be paying for your sins later. He's already paid them in full. You're in Jesus. You're in Christ. The, the salvation is secure. Martin Luther once said in this little hymn, he said, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we cannot, can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell the devil. So, the demonic realm will not keep Christians from the kingdom. And the apostle John says so in 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So all of this to land the plane and say, you are deeply loved by God. And no one can divorce you from Christ. No one can divorce you from the arms of God. And you're an overcomer. In him. It's not because of how great we are, but it is because of how great Christ is. So what does this mean? What does this mean for you as you step out the door today? What does this mean as you enter into the week and surprises come? Trials hit. Difficulties come. What does this mean if you're in here and you've got a question mark over your life about whether or not you're right with God? What does this mean about King Jesus and how he has been speaking to you today? Are you going to take this message with you into the world and get wings like eagles and live for Christ and to die even as gain? So perhaps you're here today and you need to get right with God. Or you need to commit to God. And God has been speaking to you for months and months and months. And he's been calling you and calling you and calling you. And you've been resisting and resisting. And finally the love is breaking on you. And you realize, I need him. And you're here today. Because he's calling you. He's saying, come to me. You weak and weary. Come to me. 
I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your soul. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and I care for you. That's Christ speaking, and his sheep know his voice, and they follow. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those, Lord, that are struggling. They're Christians and they're struggling with discouragement in here today. And they've just been baptized afresh with your love. Lord, would you encourage them? Would you envelop them? Would your love just surround them? And Lord, even as we sing this song, Lord, maybe you're calling us to to actually make a, a step of faith to recommit our lives to Christ. Maybe, maybe somebody's in here and they just need to get right with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you have been trusting in your own works, your own goodness, your own abilities, and you don't have a good track record, and you're struggling in the present, and the Bible says our sins have separated us from our God, and you want to be made right. And maybe Christ has been calling you You've seen a picture of his love and you've seen a picture of the hope of a Christian and you want that and you want that pardon. You want that forgiveness. You want that hope. And maybe it's time to say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I kneel my life before you. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Maybe that's what you need to pray. So as we sing this song, Lord, I pray Move upon all sorts of hearts in here today. Those who need encouragement, lift them up. Those who need repentance, Lord, draw them to yourself. Those who need to just be washed in the love of God afresh, may we experience the sweetness of our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.